0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the battle of Hunain and we spoke about the great Muslim victory at that battle and the huge spoils that the Muslims collected in the Battle of Hunain, And from those spoils, there were 24,000 camels. Imagine this number, 24,000 camels, 40,000 sheep and goats, 6,000 captives, and also huge amounts of gold and huge amounts of silver. So this was basically the greatest spoils that the Muslims had ever collected in any battle. So the Prophet ﷺ, after the Battle of Hunain he ordered for all of these spoils to be collected and stored at a camp that was set up at a location called Ju'arana. And Ju'arana is right outside of the borders of Mecca. So the Prophet ﷺ ordered for all of these spoils to be collected and gathered and stored at Ju'arana. And he put Budail ibn Warqa al-Khuzai radiallahu anh, in charge of this camp. And then the Prophet ﷺ and his companions, they moved forward to At-Ta'if. Because when the tribes of Hawazin, when they ran away from the battlefield in Hunain, they escaped and they went back to At-Ta'if. So the threat was still alive. So the Prophet ﷺ decided we will go to Ta'if and we'll finish off that danger. We'll finish off the threat from Hawazin. So when the people of Hawazin arrived at Ta'if, they secured themselves inside a fortress in Ta'if. And when the Muslims arrived, the people of Ta'if were inside the fortress. So the Muslims could not break through. And every time the Muslims would come close and try to mount an attack on that fortress, the people of Ta'if, they would counter-attack by shooting arrows at the Muslims. So then the Muslims would have to go back. So this lasted for a number of days, many days, without any progress being made. So then one day, Khalid ibn al-Walid, he issued a challenge for a mubaraza. That he wanted someone to come out and have a duel with him, one-on-one. And this is the way that the Arabs used to do in their battles. That before the actual fighting started, they would have a few one-on-one duels. So Khalid ibn al-Walid, he challenged, he said, I'm here, I'm ready for someone to come out and challenge me to a one-on-one duel. But no one accepted this challenge from Khalid ibn al-Walid and they stayed inside the fortress. Now during this time, the temporary leader of Al-Ta'if was a man named Abd Yalil, And the reason why he was put in charge of Ta'if at this time is because the other leaders of Ta'if were not there. Malik ibn Awf, who was the commander of the Hawazin army at Hunayn, he was not able to escape to At-Ta'if. So he took refuge in another place in a fortress called Aliyah outside of Ta'if. So he wasn't able to even make it back to al taif And the other leader of al taif who was the main leader of Ta'if actually, was a man named Urwa ibn Mas'ud, Al-Thaqafi. He was not in town either because he had gone to Jordan in order to get some weapons of mass destruction from Jordan. Because the people of Taif, they had a plan to attack Medina and attack the Muslims. They had been planning this for a while. So Urwa ibn Mas'ud al Thaqafi, at this time, he happened to be in Jordan to buy these weapons and to learn how to use these weapons. So he was not in town either. So Malik ibn Awf is not in Taif and Urwa ibn Mas'ud al Thaqafi, is not in Taif. So the temporary leadership of Taif went to this man named Abdiya Layl. And when Khalid ibn al-Walid made this challenge for a duel, Abdi Abdiyalayl called out to him and he said, Ya Khalid, even if you stand out there for one year, even if you stand out there for one year, no one is going to come. We are going to stay inside the fortress. So the Muslims, they tried to think of a solution. How can we penetrate this fortress? So they tried to make a makeshift dabab. And if you remember when we talked about the Battle of Khaybar, the people of Khyber, they had something called a dabab that was hidden in one of those fortresses. And the Muslims, when they conquered that fortress, they used the dabab. The dabab is basically a vehicle on wheels with a ladder on it. And it is shielded. And you can use that to move forward to attack your enemy with protection. So the Muslims, they saw this at Khyber and they had an idea of what it was. So they tried to make one right there. To use to attack the fortress in At-Taif. And of course, you know, they made it in very short notice and they were not able to make it in a very strong way, but they made whatever they could with the materials that they had available. So they made this dabab and they tried to move forward to attack the fortress. Now the people of T'aif inside the fortress they had a small manjaniq. Manjaniq is a catapult. Basically, they used to use these catapults to to pull back arrows or stones or even even balls of fire. They would pull it back and then they would release it and it would attack the enemy. So the people of Taif in their fortress, they had a small manjaniq, they had a small catapult. So when they saw this dabab, this armored vehicle that the Muslims had built, when they saw them moving it forward, they attacked or they counter-attacked with their manjaniq, with their catapult. And they started pelting stones with the catapult at the Muslim dabab, at this vehicle that the Muslims had built. And as we mentioned, this vehicle that they had built, this dabab, it was not very well built because it was made in such a short time with whatever materials they had available. And of course, the ones who built it, they were not professionals at building such a thing. So it was not of the highest quality. So because of that, the people of Ta'if were able to break it down. ...with their stones that they had, they had thrown with the catapult. So that the Bab was basically destroyed. And then the Muslims were exposed once again. And then the people of Taif started shooting arrows at them again. So then they had to retreat once again. So every time they try to move forward on that fortress... ...every time they have to retreat. And this goes on for a number of days. It actually went on for 20 full days... ...with the Muslims making no progress to penetrate that fortress. So after 20 days of no progress, Abu Bakr عنه, he came to the Prophet وسلم, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I have a suggestion, I have an idea that we can use to maybe go and penetrate the fortress. But the Prophet وسلم, said to Abu Bakr, he said, Ya Aba Bakr, Inna Allaha Lam Bifat'iha. He said, Ya Abu Bakr, Allah has not given me permission, to conquer At-Taif. We're not going to be able to conquer At-Taif. Allah sent down revelation to the Prophet Sallallahu telling him that you will not be able to conquer this city. You will not be able to conquer At-Taif. So the Prophet Sallallahu knew that they would have to just go back. That they were not going to continue with this siege. So he told Abu Bakr radiallahu Allah has not given me permission to conquer taif So Abu Bakr radiallahu an. He would submit to whatever the Prophet ﷺ said. Of course, he didn't even try to argue or ask questions or anything. So he said to the Prophet ﷺ, Okay, Ya Rasulullah, so that means we're going to leave? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Yes, we're going to leave. So prepare the people that we will move out from here and we will leave. So Abu Bakr, without any question, without any hesitation, he went to gather the people to prepare them to leave. And as he was leaving to go and prepare the people, he saw... A heated conversation between Umar ibn al-Khattab and a man named Abu Muhjinn al-Thaqafi. Abu Muhjinn al-Thaqafi at that time he was still upon Kufr later on he became a Muslim but at that time he was still upon Kufr and he was from the tribe of Thaqif so he was on the enemy side. So Umar ibn al-Khattab and Abu Muhjinn al-Thaqafi they were having a very heated conversation. Abu Muhjinn he said to Umar he said, look at you guys, 20 days you're standing out there and what do you have to show for it? Nothing. You guys are really nothing. And then Umar radiallahu he got very angry and he said, you know, you guys, you are just like a lizard inside a hole, just hiding inside the hole. But eventually you're going to have to come out. And when you come out, we will be here waiting for you. And even if we have to wait for a year, we will wait a year for you to come out of here. Umar radiallahu was saying this because he didn't know yet what the Prophet sallallahu had said. He didn't know what the Prophet ﷺ had informed to Abu Bakr. bi Allah has not given me permission to conquer a taif. Umar didn't know about this yet. So he said to Abu Mahjin, even if we have to wait out here for a whole year, we will wait for you to come out. And once you come out, then you will see what we do to you. So Abu Bakr came across this conversation. So when he heard Umar say this, when he heard Umar saying, we'll wait for you for one year to come out, he said to Umar don't say this ya Umar don't say this because Allah has not given permission to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to conquer this city and Umar was surprised he said did rasulullah sallallahu say this did this come from rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam this news this information and Abu Bakr radiyallahu he said yes so once Umar knew that this is from rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that's it submit to it No questions, no hesitation. So he said to Abu Bakr, so that means we're leaving? And Abu Bakr said, yes, we're leaving. So Umar was ready to leave as well. But there were some young Muslims, you know, the young Muslims who are very excited. Some of them were very sad about this. They really wanted to go and fight. So they said to the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, just give us one more chance. One more chance. We will go and try to attack the fortress. And then the Prophet ﷺ told them, إِنَّ lam bi fatiha." Allah did not give me permission to conquer this city. So what are you going to do? So then these shabab, these young men, they said, Ya Rasulullah, please just give us one chance, one chance. Let us try one more time. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Okay, you go ahead and try. You go ahead and try. So these young men, they organized themselves and they mounted a very strong attack on the fortress one last time. But they were countered again with a stream of arrows from the people of that fortress. So many arrows that it looked like a swarm of locusts had invaded. That's how many arrows were coming down. And every single one of those young men, every single one of them without any exception was hit by one of the arrows. So they were all injured. Every single one of them was injured. So of course they had to retreat. And they were all injured. And when they came back to the Prophet ﷺ, they were silent. They couldn't say anything. The Prophet ﷺ told them not to do it. But they insisted and then the Prophet ﷺ let them go so that they would learn the lesson on their own. And they learned their lesson. Every single one of them was injured. So they came back and they couldn't say anything. Nobody spoke. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, now let's go. ar let's go. So they quietly prepared to leave. But they were still saddened by what had happened and they asked the Prophet, ﷺ, they said to him, Ya Rasulullah, make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroys the people of Taif, these people. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroy them. Make dua, Ya Rasulullah, that Allah destroys them. But instead, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahumma mahdi thaqifan atini bihim. He made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to destroy the people of thaqif, the people of Taif, rather, he made dua that, Ya Allah, guide. Thaqif, guide the tribe of Thaqif, and this is the tribe of the main tribe of Taif, which is also related to the tribes of Hawazin. He said, "Allahumma hidi Thaqifan wa atini bihim." Ya Allah, guide Thaqif, guide the people of Taif, and bring them to me, bring them to me. So the Prophet ﷺ made du'a for them. So after they left Taif, the Prophet ﷺ went back to Juarana. Ju'rana, the place outside of Mecca where they had collected and stored all of the spoils that they had collected at Hunayn. So the Prophet ﷺ went back there to Ju'rana. But he didn't immediately distribute the spoils. And remember, these are huge spoils. Huge spoils. The Prophet ﷺ did not immediately distribute the, the spoils. He waited. He waited that maybe the people of Ta'if they will come and they will try to make a truce or they will try to make an agreement with the Prophet ﷺ to give back their wealth and to give back their captives. He thought that maybe, maybe the people of Taif, they will come and try to negotiate with the Prophet ﷺ for all of this stuff. So the Prophet ﷺ waited. He waited for 10 days without distributing anything. He waited for 10 days. And then after 10 days, nobody still came. So then the Prophet ﷺ, he needed to go back to Medina as well. So he decided okay they haven't come up to now let us distribute the spoils so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam started to distribute these huge spoils of the battle of Hunayn. now the first people whom the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam started with in the distribution were the people who are known as al mu'allafati qulubuhum al mu'allafati qulubuhum are people who may be new to islam and their Iman is not very strong. So they should be given a good amount. They should be shown extreme generosity. And this will make them love Islam. And if they love Islam, inshallah, their influence will also bring other people into Islam as well. So al muallafati basically they are important people. They are influential people who may not have the strength of Iman in their heart right now. But if they become strong Muslims, then that will not only be beneficial for them as individuals, but because of their influence, many people will come into Islam as well. It will be beneficial for a lot of people. So these people are known as Al Mu'allafati Qulubuhum. And it could be some of the Mu'allafati Qulubuhum, maybe they're not even Muslim yet. But there is hope that they will accept Islam. And if they accept Islam, a large number of people will follow them into Islam as well. So new Muslims who are weak up to this point in Iman, or people who hopefully will become Muslims and influence other people to become Muslims as well. These are al mu'allafati قلوبهم. So the Prophet ﷺ, he started in the distribution of spoils to these people. To mu'allafati قلوبهم. So the first person whom the Prophet sallallahu distributed the spoils of Hunayn to was Abu Sufyan Abu Sufyan who had just become a Muslim at the Fath of Mecca and he is a very influential leader of the Quraysh so the Prophet sallallahu wanted to show him extreme generosity and hopefully this would strengthen his iman so the Prophet sallallahu gave Abu Sufyan 100 camels 100 camels and 100 uqiyah of gold and silver 100 uqiyah it's a it's a big amount of gold and silver so 100 camels and 100 uqiyah of gold and silver and then abu sufyan he said ya rasulallah what about my son mu'awiyah can he have it too and the prophet said yes he can have it too 100 camels for mu'awiyah and 100 uqiyah of gold and silver for mu'awiyah as well and then abu sufyan said ya rasulallah what about my other son yazid The Prophet ﷺ said for him as well. 100 camels for him and 100 uqiyah of gold and silver for him as well. So Abu Sufyan collected this on behalf of himself and his two sons. And the gold and silver was so much that Abu Sufyan, he could barely carry it. It was so heavy that he had a hard time picking it up to take it. So Abu Sufyan said, can someone help me with this? And Rasulullah ﷺ said, no, no one will help you with it. You have to take it by yourself. So then Abu Sufyan, with a lot of difficulty, he picked it up on his shoulder and he went away. It was very difficult for him, but he moved away with that. The next person that the Prophet ﷺ distributed the spoils to was Uyayna ibn Hisan. Remember Uyayna ibn Hisan, also known as al ahmak al Mutar, the leader of the tribe of Ghatafan. So he was a new Muslim and his iman was very weak at this time. And the reason why he even became a Muslim was for spoils. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted his iman to be strengthened, and he thought if he gives him from these spoils, it will, it will develop a love of Islam in the heart of Uyayna ibn Hisn. So the Prophet ﷺ also gave him 100 camels and 100 uqiyah of gold and silver. And then Al aqra ibn Habis, who was also a new Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ gave him the same amount. And then even Safwan ibn Umayyah. Safwan ibn Umayyah was one of the biggest enemies of the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca. And up to this point, Safwan ibn Umayyah still had not accepted Islam yet. But he came back to Mecca under a promise of safety from the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ said he will give him four months. You have four months to think about becoming a Muslim and you are safe during that time. So Safwan ibn Umayyah, he still didn't accept Islam yet. He said, okay, I will enter and I will I will." I will be under that promise of safety. But at this time, he had not accepted Islam yet. It was, it was still within that four month period. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to give him and show him generosity. And hopefully, this will give him that final push into Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ gave Safwan ibn Umayyah 100 camels and 100 uqiyah of gold and silver. So, look at how the Prophet is just distributing this wealth. Huge amounts of wealth, and the Prophet is giving it out in huge portions as well. After he gave all of these important VIPs, then the Prophet started giving other people as well. A Bedouin came to the Prophet asking for some of the spoils of the war, and the Prophet gave him a whole valley full, a whole valley of sheep and goats. And he said to this Bedouin man, okay, this valley, all the sheep and goats that you see in that valley, it's all yours. So then this Bedouin man was surprised that a whole valley of sheep and goats, just only for me, I'm one person. He thought that this is some kind of a joke. And he said to the Prophet, Ya Muhammad, at Oh Muhammad, are you making a joke out of me? Are you mocking me? And the Prophet ﷺ said, No, really, this is all for you. You take it. So the man was so excited and so happy, he took all of those sheep and goats and he wanted to go back to his tribe to tell his people. So, as he was taking the sheep and goats, he kept looking left and right to make sure no one would stop him and take them away from him. So, he went back to his tribe, he went back to his people, this Bedouin man, and he called out to his people Ya Qawm, Ya qawm, Aslimu, فَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا يُعْطِي la مَلْا al الْفَقْرِ He said to his tribe, to his people, O people, become Muslims, accept Islam. Because surely Muhammad gives in a way that shows he does not fear poverty. He gives and gives and gives and he is not afraid of losing anything. So become Muslims. So this was what the Prophet ﷺ wanted. By giving these people, it was bringing people into Islam. So when this man came and he told his people, all of his people came and they accepted Islam. Alhamdulillah. Other Bedouins started gathering around the Prophet pulling him, Ya Rasulullah, give us some, give us some, give us some. Until around him there were so many people pushing him and pulling him, hoping to get some of the spoils. And the Prophet told them, I will not hold anything back from you. Everything will be distributed. Everything will be distributed. So while the distribution was going on, while this distribution was going on, a woman from the captives, a woman who was from those who were captured, she came forward and she said, leave me, leave me, she said to the people, leave me alone, leave me alone, I am the sister of your Prophet. She was saying to the Sahaba, I am the sister of your Prophet, so leave me, leave me. And then the Sahaba, they said to this woman, what are you talking about? Our Prophet doesn't have any sister, we don't know of any sister of our Prophet. And she said, "Yes, I am his sister. Just take me to him. Take me to him." So they said, "Okay," and they took her to the Prophet And this was an elderly woman; she was around seventy years old. And they brought her to the Prophet and she said to the Prophet "I am your sister." And the Prophet said, "Who are you?" He didn't recognize her. And she said, "I am Shayma bint Al harith I am Shayma bint Al harith the daughter of." Halima as sadiya If you remember Halima as sadiya she was the wet nurse of the Prophet. She was the foster mother of the Prophet. And the Prophet وسلم, took milk from Halima as Sa'diyah. Now, Shayma bint al Harith was the real daughter of Halima as Sa'diyah. So she is the foster sister of the Prophet. So she was telling the truth. She is the sister of the Prophet وسلم, through milk feeding. So she said, I am your sister. I am Shayma bint al-Harith, the daughter of Halima as Sa'diya. And Shayma bint al-Harith, when the Prophet ﷺ was growing up with Halima as Sa'diya, and he was a very little boy, Shayma at that time, she was also very young. She was around seven years old. And when they would go anywhere, she would carry the Prophet ﷺ, this little boy, on her back, and she would play with him. Right? So this was so many years ago. So, the Prophet ﷺ said to her, Do you have any proof that you are Shayma, that you are my sister? And she said, Yes, I have proof. I have proof. Once when I was carrying you on my back when you were a little boy and I was carrying you on my back, you bit me very hard on my shoulder. You bit me on my shoulder and I still have the mark from that bite that you bit me with. And the Prophet ﷺ, he remembered that. And he said, Sadaqti. You have spoken the truth. And then he realized, yes, this is actually his sister, Shayma bint al-Harith. So the Prophet ﷺ took off his garment and he put it on the ground so that she could sit there to honor her. And he freed her. She was from the captives that, was, that, that were taken that day because she was from the tribe of Bani Sa'd, which is one of the tribes of Hawazin. So the Prophet ﷺ, to honor her, he freed her. He said, you are free. And when the sahaba, radiyallahu when they saw what was going on, that this is the sister of the Prophet ﷺ, and she's from Bani Sa'd, and the Prophet ﷺ freed her, they went and they gathered all of the captives from Bani Sa'd. Anyone who's from Bani Sa'd, they said, you are all free. To honor the Prophet ﷺ and his sister, they freed all of the captives of Bani Sa'd. So this is how the Sahaba ﷺ would honor the Prophet ﷺ. So, the Prophet ﷺ said to Shayma, if you wish, you can come with me. She accepted Islam, alhamdulillah. She, she took the shahada, she became a Muslim. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, if you wish, you can come with me. You can join us in Medina, or if you wish, you can stay with your people. And then she, she decided to stay with her people. But alhamdulillah, she was a Muslim and she had accepted Islam, رضي الله عنها وارضاه. Also at Juarana. Suraqa ibn Malik came forward to meet the Prophet sallallahu alaihi If you remember, Suraqa ibn Malik, Suraqa ibn Malik was the person who tried to capture the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when the Prophet sallallahu escaped from Mecca and he was going to Medina. The Quraysh had announced a huge prize: whoever catches the Prophet sallallahu alaihi they will have one hundred camels. And Suraka was able to find the path of the Prophet ﷺ. So Suraka started chasing the Prophet ﷺ, and with the Prophet ﷺ was Abu Bakr, the two of them. So Suraka found the path of the Prophet ﷺ, and he started chasing the Prophet ﷺ, hope, f- hoping that he would catch him and collect that reward. But Suraka fell down from his horse a number of times. Whenever he would try to catch up with him, he would fall down from his horse. So eventually Suraka he realized that this is something that is not normal. This man, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he is receiving divine help. So Suraka, he agreed with the Prophet sallallahu He said, look, I will go back to the Quraysh and I will mislead them. I will throw them off your track. I will mislead them so that they will not be able to catch you. And he asked the Prophet sallallahu give me a promise of safety because I can see that you are a person who receives help from Allah. So give me a promise of safety. When you become powerful, when you become powerful, I want to be safe. So I want a written promise of safety from you. So the Prophet ﷺ agreed to give Suraqah ibn Malik a written promise of safety. And this was when the Prophet ﷺ was making hijrah to Medina. This is eight years before Hunayn. So the Prophet ﷺ was with Abu Bakr and he ordered Abu Bakr to write down the promise of safety. The Prophet ﷺ himself, he could not write. But Abu Bakr عنه, he knew how to write. So the Prophet ﷺ told Abu Bakr, you write this down, that Suraka ibn Malik has a promise of safety. So the Prophet ﷺ ordered Abu Bakr to do this and Abu Bakr wrote it down. He wrote down this promise on a camel bone. And Suraka kept this bone. Now at Ju'rana, he sees the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has conquered Mecca. He sees the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has become very powerful so he goes to Ju'rana and he goes to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he says I am Suraka ibn Malik. I am Suraka ibn Malik and you made an agreement with me that you would give me safety and he had that bone with him and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam remembered it and he said that this is the day of loyalty and righteousness, and the Prophet ﷺ told him that your agreement it will be honored. So Suraka was given safety, and Suraka accepted Islam as well. He said, "Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah." So Suraka ibn Malik accepted Islam. So now, after the distribution of spoils is over, the Prophet ﷺ distributed it to the people and the different tribes. So he distributed all of these spoils out to the people. So everyone is so happy because they got huge amounts. Everyone is very happy. Except one group of people, they're not happy. One group of people, they're not happy. And that group that is not happy is the Ansar. The Ansar, the people of Medina, the Muslims of Medina. Because the Prophet did not give them anything from the spoils of the war. He didn't give them anything. So they were hurt by that. They felt bad about that. And some of them started to think and talk amongst themselves that now the Prophet ﷺ, he has favored his own people. He has favored the people of Mecca, his own people. And maybe he won't even want to live with us in Medina anymore. Maybe he will just live with his people in Mecca now, now that Mecca is under his rule. So they started talking like this and they felt bad that they didn't receive anything from the spoils of the war. So they went to their leader, the leader of the tribe of Khazraj in Medina, was Sa'd ibn Ubadah radiallahu They went to him and they said, you talk to Rasulullah about this and tell him how we feel. So Sa'd radiallahu he went back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi and he said, ya Rasulullah, the Ansar, they are hurt. They are hurt that you didn't give them anything from the spoils of the war. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to Sa'ad, What about you Sa'ad? How do you feel about it? And then Sa'ad رضي الله عنه, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I am just a person from my people. I am one from amongst my people. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, okay. And he ordered Sa'ad, gather all of the Ansar. I want to have a meeting with the Ansar. Not with the other people, just the Ansar. Gather all of the Ansar, I want to speak with them. So Sa'ad رضي الله عنه, he gathered the Ansar. They all came together and then the prophet ﷺ came and he addressed them he addressed them and after praising allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said ya ma'shar al-ansar ma qalat balaghatni ankum wa wajdat wajattumuha fi anfusikum alam atikum dhullalan fahadakum allah bi wa alatan fa aghnakum wa a'da'an fa allafa allah bayna qulubikum قالوا بلى الله ورسوله أمن وأفضل قال ألا تجيبوني يا معشر الأنصار قالوا وما نجيبك يا رسول الله ولله ولرسوله المن والفضل قال أما والله لو شئتم لقلتم ولصدقتم ولصدقتم أتيتنا مكذبا فصدقناك ومخذولا فنصرناك وطريداً فآويناك وعائلاً فأغنيناك أوجدتم في أنفسكم يا معشر الأنصار في لعاعة من الدنيا تألفت بها قوماً ليسلموا ووكلتكم إلى إسلامكم أفلا ترضون يا معشر الأنصار أن يذهب الناس بالشاة والبعير وترجعون برسول الله في رحالكم فوالذي نفس محمد بيده لولا الهجره لكنتُ إمرأً من الأنصار ولو سلك الناس شعبًا وسلك الأنصار شعبًا لسلكتُ شعب الأنصار اللهم ارحم الأنصار وأبناء الأنصار وأبناء أبناء الأنصار فبكى القوم حتى أخلصوا لحاهم وقالوا رضينا برسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قسماً وحظاً so the Prophet وسلم, he gathered the ansar and he said, Oh you of the ansar, what is this talk that has reached me from you? What is this thing that you have found inside your souls? When I came to you, when I came to you, Ya Ansar, when I came to you, were you not lost and Allah guided you through me? Were you not poor and Allah made you rich? Were you not each other's enemies and Allah put love into your hearts? And the Ansar, they said, Yes, Allah and His Messenger are the most gracious and bountiful. So then the Prophet wasallam said, Why don't you answer me, Ya Ansar? Why don't you answer me? And then the Ansar said, What answer can we give you, Ya Rasulullah? bounty and grace belongs to Allah and His Messenger. Bounty and grace belongs to Allah and His Messenger. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, but by Allah, I swear by Allah, if you had wished, you could have said and you would surely have been telling the truth and I would confirm that you are telling the truth. If you wanted to say, you could say, you O Prophet of Allah, you came to us rejected by your people you came to us rejected by your people in Mecca and we believed in you, you were forsaken by your people and we helped you, you were expelled from your city and we sheltered you you were poor and we supported you, the Prophet ﷺ is telling the Ansar, you could have said this to me and I would have told you, yes you are telling the truth, this is true and then he said Ya Mashar al-Ansar, O people of the Ansar, I have given these people the wealth of this world, to gain the love of these people so that they may become Muslims. I did it just to attract their hearts towards Islam. But as for you, I entrusted you to your Islam. I know that you are people who are strong in their Iman. Your Islam is strong in your heart. You don't need camels and goats and gold. To make your Iman strong. I trust you with your Islam. That's why I didn't give you anything. And then he said, Aren't you, O Ansar, Aren't you happy that while the people, They take away camels and goats, You take home the Messenger of Allah with you? I swear by Allah, If it wasn't for the Hijrah, I would have been a man from the Ansar. If the people choose one path and the Ansar choose one path, I will take the path of the Ansar. Then he made dua for them. He said, Allahumma arhamil Ansar wa abnā al-Ansar wa abna'a, abna'a al-Ansar Oh Allah, have mercy on the Ansar and have mercy on the children of the Ansar and have mercy on the children of the children of the Ansar. So this was a very emotional speech that the Prophet ﷺ gave to the Ansar. And the Ansar, they were so moved by this. And it made them think like, yeah, these guys, they got camels and goats and gold. But we have Rasulullah with us. We're going to go back to Medina and he's going to come with us. We get to live with him. We get to see him every day. What is better, having a camel and a goat and a piece of gold? Or living with Rasulullah sallallahu They realized it. That they were the ones whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given the greatest portion to. They realized it. And when the Prophet ﷺ said this, they were so moved by this speech that their beards became soaked with their tears. They were all crying. And their beards became soaked with their tears. And they couldn't say anything. They were so moved by this. All they could say was, bi بِرَسُولِ wa We are happy, we are pleased with the Messenger of Allah ﷺ as to the division and our share. We are happy, we don't need anything. We have Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa That is enough for us. So after the spoils were distributed, as the Muslims were preparing to go back, now the Muslims are preparing to leave Ju'rana. The spoils are distributed. Now finally, now, A delegation from the tribes of Hawazin, they came to the Prophet ﷺ to negotiate getting their wealth and their captives back. But now, everything has been distributed already. The Prophet ﷺ waited for them for many days for this. They didn't come, the Prophet ﷺ distributed the spoils. Now after the spoils are distributed, now they came. But they're too late. So they went to the Prophet ﷺ and they tried to negotiate with him and discuss with him, we want to have our wealth and our families back. And the Prophet ﷺ said to them, I waited for you. I waited for you, but now it's been distributed. And I can't give you back everything. I can't give you back the wealth and the captives. So what do you prefer? If I can give you back something, would you prefer wealth or the captives? And they said, we will prefer the captives because those are our family members. As for the wealth, we can earn it again that can be replaced. But as for our family members, we cannot replace them. So we prefer the family members. So the Prophet very mercifully and kindly, he said to them, okay, I will gather my companions and we will see what we can do. So the Prophet gathered his companions and he allowed this delegation from Hawazin, he allowed these people to address the Sahaba, to ask back for the spoils. So this delegation from Hawazin said to the Sahaba, please, You took everything that we had. You took our wealth. You took our our families. Please give it back to us. We have nothing. So the Sahaba, they agreed to give back the captives. Okay. The women and the children, you can have them back. You can have the captives back, but not the wealth. The wealth we will keep. So they agreed to this. The people of Hawazin, they agreed to this. Okay, as long as we can have our captives back and our families back, we are okay with this. So they agreed. The Sahaba agreed to give back all of the captives, except... Uyayna ibn Hisan, again, the leader of Ghatafan, he said, no, I'm not going to give back my captives. So then the Prophet ﷺ said to Uyayna, he said, look, just release them, give them back, and I will, I will take care of it, I will compensate you for it. I will compensate you for it. So Uyayna, he said, okay, every captive I release, I want in its place four camels. Every captive I release, I want four camels in compensation for that. So the Prophet ﷺ said, done, you have it, no problem. So the captives were released. All of the captives were released. And they were returned to their families. And this is another show of the rahmah, of the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to do this, but he did it because he was rahmatan alamin. He was a mercy for all of creation. Now around the same time, Malik ibn Awf. Malik ibn Auf, he was the commander of the Hawazin army at the battle of Hunayn. He was the one who was commanding the Hawazin army at Hunayn. Around this time, he decided to go to the Prophet ﷺ and accept Islam as well. He became a Muslim, walhamdulillah. So this is a very big leader of the tribes of Hawazin. He accepts Islam. So this is a very big development, Alhamdulillah. So after this the Prophet sallallahu wasallam decided before going back to Medina he would go back to Mecca to perform umrah and then go back to Medina because ju'rana it's right there by Mecca so the Prophet sallallahu he wanted to go back to Mecca make umrah and then go back to Al-Madina so he went to Mecca he performed umrah and then he went back to Medina Now during this time Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi who was the leader of the tribe of Thaqif he's the leader of Taif he was in Jordan during the Battle of Hunayn. He heard about what had happened, and he decided that he should become a Muslim too. So he was on his way back from Jordan, but instead of going to Taif, he went to Medina. He went to Medina. He met the Prophet ﷺ, and he told the Prophet ﷺ that he wants to become a Muslim, and he accepted Islam. Alhamdulillah. He said, "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashhadu anna Rasulullah." So now, the leader of Taif, the most important person in Taif. Now he has accepted Islam, walhamdulillah. After he became a Muslim, he asked the Prophet ﷺ for permission to go back to Ta'if. He said, Ya Rasulullah, let me go back to Ta'if and let me call Thaqif, let me call my tribe, let me call my people to Islam. And the Prophet ﷺ said, if you do that, they will kill you. Because they were still very deep enemies of the Prophet ﷺ and Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ feared for Urwa ibn Mas'ud. He said, If you go back and you start preaching Islam to them in Taif, they will kill you. And Urwa said, Look, they are my people, so I have to call them to the truth. So he left, and the Prophet ﷺ allowed him to go. He went back to Taif. Now, the people of Taif, they used to worship an idol called Al Lat. They used to worship an idol called Al Lat. And whenever anyone was outside of Taif when they were out on a trip or something, Whenever they would come back into the city of Ta'if, before going to their homes or before doing anything, first they would go to Allat. And they would worship that idol. And then they would go back to their homes. So now Urwa ibn Mas'ud, Al-Thaqafi, he comes back to Al-Taif. And the people don't know that he has accepted Islam. But he didn't go to Allat. He didn't go to that idol. Rather, he went straight to his home. So this was the first sign that something is different. The people were kind of surprised. He didn't go to Allah. He went straight to his home. But they started thinking to themselves, okay, maybe he's just very tired. It was a long trip. Maybe he just wanted to go home and rest. So then, they served him some food. And as they served him the food, he started with his da'wah. He started calling people to Islam. And when they heard that he had become a Muslim, they got very angry at him. Even though he's the leader of the tribe, they started insulting him. And they started Showering him with angry words, but they didn't physically assault him because he's of a very high position, very high status. They couldn't physically do anything to him, but they verbally assaulted him. When the time for the prayer came, Urwa bin Mas'ud al thaqafi is a very brave person. When the time for salah came, he went on to the roof of his house and he started calling the Adhan of Islam. He's loudly calling the Adhan so the people of Ta'if can hear. And this is the leader of Ta'if calling the Adhan of Islam. So now the other leaders of Ta'if, they got scared. They said, if he becomes a Muslim, then that will influence the people to accept Islam so now they got scared and they said okay we need to get rid of this threat and while he was on the roof of his home calling the adhan they shot him with the arrow and they killed him so this was the death of Urwa Ibn Mas'ud Al Thaqafi one of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi even though he was only Muslim for a short time alhamdulillah he died as a shaheed giving the adhan but now it's already out that Urwa ibn Mas'ud, the Thaqafi had accepted Islam, the people of Ta'if, they know about it. And now the people of Thaqif, they are scared. What should we do? Now Islam has come inside our city and we cannot contain it. It has come inside the city. So they thought to themselves, what is the solution for this? So they finally agreed, okay, the only solution for this, we have to all accept Islam. We have to become Muslims. We have to go to Muhammad and we have to accept Islam. But let us try to make some conditions Let us go to Muhammad and tell him we will accept Islam, but we have certain conditions to accept Islam. That was their idea. So they sent a delegation from Ta'if to go to the Prophet to tell him that Ta'if, the people of Ta'if are ready to accept Islam. So the Prophet was very happy to receive this delegation. But then they told him, they said, but we have some conditions. We will accept Islam, but we have some conditions. So the Prophet ﷺ asked them about their conditions. And they said, okay, our condition is we will accept Islam, but we want permission to commit zina. We want permission for zina. And the Prophet ﷺ said, No, this can never work. This can never work. This condition is rejected. So they said, Okay, okay. We will accept Islam, but we have the condition that you will still continue to allow us to drink alcohol. And the Prophet ﷺ said, nope. You will not have that condition. It's not acceptable. So then they said, okay, okay. We will accept Islam, but our condition is you, continue, you allow us to continue dealing with interest, with riba. And the Prophet ﷺ said, no. So you see, the Prophet ﷺ, he does not compromise anything in terms of the religion, ever. No compromise in the principles of this deen. So he said no to all of these conditions. So then they said to him, okay, okay. Forget about these conditions. One condition that we have: we will accept Islam, but leave our idol Allat. Don't destroy Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ said to them, This is the first thing that I will do. Destroy the idol of Allat. How can you become a Muslim and say that you want the idol to still remain intact? This is the first thing that we will do. We will destroy Lat. So he didn't accept that condition either. So finally. All of their conditions were rejected by the Prophet. So finally they said, okay, okay. But just one condition, one condition. You say that Laat has to be destroyed if we accept Islam, okay. But we will not destroy it with our hands. You send someone from your people to go and destroy it because we're scared to destroy it. This is an idol that they have been worshipping for hundreds of years. So they still have this fear that if they destroy this idol, something bad is going to happen to them. So they said to the Prophet ﷺ, you send someone to destroy it, we don't want to destroy it. So the Prophet ﷺ, he laughed and he said, I will send one of my men to go and destroy it. So he sent Amr ibn al-As to go there and to destroy al-Lat. So now the people of Al-Ta'if, they said, let's watch him destroy it. Let's see what happens when he destroys it. If he destroys it and something happens to him, if he is struck dead or something terrible happens to him, then we will know that we should continue worshipping Lat and we should not become Muslims. But if he destroys that idol and nothing happens to him, if he's okay, then we will truly accept Islam. So they said this amongst themselves. Let's watch what happens when he does it. So Amr ibn al-As, he came to al and the people are gathered around to see what happens. And Amr, he destroys this idol. He destroys this idol, al that these people had been worshipping for centuries. He destroys it. It's completely destroyed. And Amr is fine. Nothing happened to him. Alhamdulillah. So now they saw this and they said, Okay, Islam is the truth. And they accepted Islam. And now the city of At-Ta'if is Muslim. Walhamdulillah. So that is how Islam entered the city of At-Ta'if. So these events happened towards the end of the eighth year of the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And next year, insha- next week, inshallah, we will talk about some of the events that happened the following year in the ninth year of the hijrah. Bi-ithnillah. Wallahu a'lam. sallallahu alayhi wasallamu wa baraka'ala nabiyina Muhammadu ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.